the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Gennetti. Happy Monday. Happy Super Bowl. Two weeks Monday, right? Now we're on the break. Conference championships are behind us. Not exactly how we wanted it to play out, but that is uh, what we're going to take away from it today. The four teams that were remaining, there's now two left. We're going to focus mostly on the two teams that lost today, Cincinnati and San Francisco. I want to start with Patrick Mahomes because I think that is the only place to start. And you can play Twitter doctor however you want and assess whether he had a high ankle sprain and what kind of medication he took to look like he looked yesterday. But the uh, the bottom line is this. When the, when the game was on the line, when everything had to come down to him, he took off and used his legs or leg, whatever you think he was capable of doing. But um, that penalty happens because he forced it to happen, because he threw everybody off with an eight-yard dash (laughs) on one leg in a clear passing situation and really shook the Bengals' defense that was holding holding court most of that game. Um, And that's just one of the examples of why Patrick Mahomes has a $450 million contract in this league right now. And I've passive-aggressively joked about it. I've thrown sarcastic jabs at it because it's the thing at the top of the mountain that you really can't touch. And when that's the case and you can't even analyze other contracts off of it or have, you know, nobody, you know, Joe Burrow's not signing a 10-year deal. He's not. Cincinnati's not going that route. And until somebody else does and kind of approaches what, what has happened here, Mahomes is the unicorn on the field and contractually speaking. So it's always good to round back into it when there's relevance. And there's relevance right now because we're now three years complete on this contract. There are nine years, 414.5 million remaining on this thing. It's, uh, it's only getting bigger. We're in the meat and potatoes part of this contract now. The, the cap hit jumps to almost 47 million next year. There's $34 million roster bonuses the next two seasons. Those jump up to $38 million thereafter. And you've heard me say it before. There's absolutely no clear and cut out here. There's not. There's an early guarantee every year up until 2031, his age 36 season. And in fact, coming up here in March, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, $39 million of 2025 compensation fully guarantees. So we're still two years out. We're still in the part of the contract where he's getting two years ahead of guarantees. That's unprecedented on its own, let alone the fact that it continues down and down and down and down. So uh, just don't lose sight of this thing because the Chiefs knew what they had. Obviously, this is five championships and five starting seasons. Uh, three Super Bowl appearances now. And he's doing a, he's going above and beyond in every facet of the game. So there's a lot left here. The money's going to get stupid. I'm not going to sit here and say any in any regard that he's underpaid, overpaid. The contract is phenomenal. He's making a boatload of cash. He has all the power in the world on it. At some point in time, you know, maybe after 2027, when he makes himself 60, 60 mil, he's 32 years old. Maybe he cuts it off there and says, let's start this thing over. Um, and that's, the, that's what I want to get to quickly. 
is we're in this great contract. We have this great player, this elite player. Nobody's ever going to qualm. You, how can you even, even if for the next seven seasons, the Chiefs start to dip and Kelsey's not Kelsey and the defense isn't the defense. They don't re-sign Chris Jones, whatever. Let's just, let's just put out worst case scenario on Patrick Mahomes. He's already done enough. <laughs> I mean, he's already done enough to warrant this kind of contract. That's the point I'm trying to make. That was another performance last night. No matter how serious or, or whatever, hidden the injury was, he's already had enough of those performances in, on the biggest stage to warrant this kind of deal, to warrant the two-year prior guarantee, to warrant the $480 million total value on this contract. He's already there. You can look at the $45 million per year, and, and people are going to you know, eventually say, well, it's ridiculous. He's underpaid. Why sign this long contract? He's underpaid at $45 million a year. Well, no. He didn't make $45 million for the first couple of years. This was a baseball contract where you had to buy out the arbitration years, and then you kicked in free agency, and then he started to make his, his money. He's, here's his cash. 40, 38, 42, 42, 60, 45, 45, 50, 52. That's how this thing finishes off. So it's not $45 million a year. He's making great cash basically every other year. Good cash most years, great cash every other year. That's where we are. It's a, it's a baseball contract. It really is. And it takes him to age 36, which isn't the worst thing in the world. But let's say because... Burrow's going 50 million because I think Jalen Hurts is going to approach 50 million, 200 million guaranteed, right? That's just where we are now in this neck of the woods. I think Herbert's going to get there, even though he doesn't have the, the postseason prowess now that these two have. Because there's going to be multiple half dozen or so players now exceeding 50 and approaching 200 guaranteed, there's going to be conversations at some point at least, especially if he stays on this ridiculous path, Patrick Mahomes, of you know, at some point in time, you just want to start it over, right? Rip it up, get yourself a huge signing bonus, and go from there. And the Chiefs actually protected themselves from that as well. So I mentioned these roster bonuses. For the most part, the base salaries are minimums. You know, he makes five and a half next year. That might get restructured. Two and a half, two and a half, two and a half, 10, 13. Those are the base salaries over the next five, six seasons here. It's a massive roster bonus. And I mentioned the signing bonus. That was the least traditional part of this extension. So, yes, the 10 years was crazy. The 450 was crazy. But it was a $10 million signing bonus. And it's not like it was $10 million plus an option bonus plus a, you know, a roster bonus that was fully guaranteed at signing that they converted to a sign. Nothing. It was $10 million plus a minimum 825. He made less than $11 million in the first year of this contract. Less than $11 million. So what does that mean? Not so much a cash conversation. It's a cap conversation. What it means is that's $10 million divided by five years, $2 million of cap proration from 2020 through 2024. By 2025, his age 30 season, the signing bonus cap is off. It's off the books. In other words, they now have all the flexibility in the world to treat the roster bonuses how they want. This year, they decided to keep it, $27.4 million. They kept it full and intact, one-year cap hit. Next year with that 34-4, I think it's kind of a toss-up. I think it's kind of a toss-up. They may keep that on the books, but restructure the, the base salary down to save themselves four, $4 million or so and find cap elsewhere on the roster. But my point is this. We're 
we're three years in, heading into year four of this contract. There's been one restructure, the 2021 roster bonus. The the bonus proration where like a Carson Wentz, a Matthew, the teams that use the double, triple bonus systems like that, in most cases now, in year four of a contract like this, of this size, most players would have a boatload of bonus proration salary that's already been paid out in the form of a bonus that is just prorated for cap purposes over five seasons. And you do a restructure, five more seasons. You do another restructure, five more seasons. Piles up, piles up, piles up. Check out the Eagles and the Saints salary cap tables if you want to see how that works on a year-to-year basis and what it looks like. The Chiefs have the option every single year to add to that pile or to leave it alone. They don't have to go that route. Because they didn't bake in an option bonus. They didn't bake in three option bonuses like the Eagles have done and continue to do. And they didn't throw a gigantic signing bonus on there that absolutely trucked the first five years of of bonus proration. Now, in hindsight, you could say that might have been the way to go, right? Maybe you should have gone $70 on the signing bonus because you'd already be two years away from getting that $70 of cap off your books, Right, leaving with you, leaving you with three hundred eighty million of cash to disperse over the next, you know, over a twelve-year span with salary. Maybe I think that's what that's what the Cowboys generally do. That's what a lot of these teams do. Certainly, the the Steelers, who don't even guarantee base salaries, it's all signing bonus, and the Packers as well. So, there's a lot of ways to look at this. But I mentioned in the last episode with cousin Dan, or maybe it was with Scott. I, I forget. I apologize, but. The, the discussion about how the 49ers have generally front-loaded their bigger contracts and then given themselves the opportunity, A, the cap savings were already baked into the back of the contract, and B, the player can get out, everybody can get out of these things because they're essentially declining cash salaries as the player gets older or as the contract gets weaker. The Chiefs have afforded themselves the ability, even if though it's an increasing contract, even though the cash incrementally rises quite a bit, like, you know, 10 million plus this from last of this year. There's a little bit of a dip next year, but then it goes up and up and up and up and up. Um, Like I said, it kind of plateaus in 2027. There's just multiple options for everybody. And and at some point in time, if Patrick Mahomes says, like, let's say it's 2028, let's say it's five years from now. All right. That's enough. I'm 32 going on 33. I want to get one more, you know, good chunk at this thing. Maybe we throw another seven year contract together, but um, we redo things in a, in a signing bonus structure this time, whatever they want to do. That's, maybe it's a little bit more traditional that time. They're going to be able to control that destiny. And they're having there. No question. They're having these conversations with Patrick. They've already had them. They kind of know maybe where the line of demarcation is and they can now budget the prorated dead cap based on discussions that they've had, based on where they assume things are coming. And like I said, I think that's $60 million in 2027 is the, the dotted line right now. And they're going to be able to handle this, not only with him specifically, but in how they continue to build, right? If they have to redo Kelsey this year, which that's a very big possibility. When they redo Chris Jones at $30 million a year, you know, for four years, mostly guaranteed based on Aaron Donald's last contract, right? Now they can say, all right, we're going to, we're going to, take our cap savings with Chris Jones' new contract in year one, which means we'll take a little bit extra from a homes that year. And then we'll reverse that, that order next year, the year after that. So it'll be 
2024 or 2025 will become. Mahomes gets restructured again. Chris Jones carries the higher cap hit. Travis Kelsey carries the higher cap hit. And we can balance our five, four or five major, major contracts out. But we have to have the ability to control that. And that's the point I'm trying to make. You can look at this contract and say it's huge. It's dumb. He's going to be underpaid by year five. All those things are probably true. But guess what he's saying? I've got a winning roster. I've got a coaching staff that, that I want to be with. I'm in a city I want to be in. And I've got $480 million attached to this gigantic contract, which is more than enough for me when I factor in State Farm and whatever, whatever else he's involved with right now. Right? There's a, there's a multitude of worlds that pay Patrick Mahomes money, and football is just one of them. I just it's a it's one of those contracts where you look at over and over again and you say not everybody will well maybe nobody will ever deserve it like this you know this might be a one of one type player in this league I hope not I hope we get get the next generation of Patrick Mahomes eventually but from a contract standpoint this is a one of one I mean nobody not even Kyler Murray the contract that complained about left and right is this bulletproof it's pretty bulletproof for especially for for what Kyler Murray is in this league so far. But it's it doesn't even pale in comparison to this. I mean, this is a rock-solid, good cash flow, good flexibility, really smart from a team perspective. And all the team had to do here was throw the entire franchise risk-wise at this player. Like, we're, we're putting all of our chips in on you for the next – forever years you know we understand that there's no logical way for us to get out of this without paying you a ton of cash we get that we're gonna bet that at least for the next handful of seasons you're gonna make whatever pain has to happen eventually worth our time and he's done that and he proved it again last night that all this risk this 12 years 480 million dollars two-year early vesting guarantees rock solid cash flow through the heart through the meat and potatoes part of this contract all of that that was built into this massive deal has already been worth it because he's at three Super Bowl number three. He just finished championship game number five, and he was the factor with a gigantic injury attached to him. So it's impossible not to comment him. As, I'm not going to sit here and talk referees. I'm not going to sit here and talk about Burrow's turnovers or the offensive line that, that couldn't hold the, the Chiefs' pass rush, all of which are things we knew, by the way, and should have known, especially if you were gambling yesterday. This guy was the X Factor. He was the X Factor. And he did it with his legs when nobody thought he could do it with his legs. So just another reason to bring this contract back into relevance and understand that it's a risky-ass contract and he's worth every damn dollar. Let's talk about the Bengals, who now head to, uh, what did Brittany Mahomes say, Cancun? Cancun on three? Pretty, pretty saucy stuff there. Uh, it's not exactly that negative. I think they overcame quite a bit here, especially with the injuries down the stretch. Um, here's what I'll say about them from a football standpoint before we start to talk about the numbers, and obviously I've got a lot of numbers to get to on that team. I, I'm always flabbergasted that a team goes to, has so much success one week, and they had all the success they could ask for against the Bills two weeks ago. And it was game plan. It was... The style of play, it was literally just taking the thinking out of Burrow and saying, here's your two options. Pick one and go as quickly as possible. I think I read somewhere it was maybe the quickest release point for the entire game of this season. 
out of Burrow, out of any quarterback. And I was there in person. That's exactly what it looked like. It looked like it wasn't about getting through the progressions. It was about one or two go, A or B, pick A or B, right? Red pill, blue pill. And it was so damn successful in those elements on that turf that was obviously hard to grip. And then it was Joe Mixon down the middle of the field. And it was pound, pound, pound. And sometimes it was negative one and sometimes it was 12. I think he averaged 5.2 or something like that throughout the entire day. And Pirine was just as valuable. Um, but it was a lot of over the middle. It was a lot of, you know, we've got to use the middle of the field here because the elements just don't allow for that. And it was so successful. Uh, and it's, it's hard for me to say or believe that the snow was the only reason that worked and that the lack of Bill's pass rush, blah, blah. The Chiefs have an unbelievable pass rush, an, an undervalued, underrated. I believe they were the highest pressure team in all of football this year, and that just wasn't talked about enough because there's so much attention on the quarterback and Kelsey and whatever. Uh, but it, it doesn't even appear that the Bengals attempted to recreate what they did against Buffalo. And how do you not at least go out there saying, we're going to do this until they stop it. We think they're going to be better at stopping it. So I understand having to have a plan B completely ready to adjust. But how do you not at least go out there and try to look like that spread college offense that they were, that dink and dunk, let's just go. That Bra- It was very Brady Patriots-like. Just find the tight end across the middle. Find Higgins across the middle. And then every so often, let, let Jamar Chase go 15 yards or so and settle into that zone and pop it into him. It, it was brilliant. And I, I was flabbergasted that they didn't at least give themselves a quarter to see if it could work against this, what I think is a better defense right now, healthier defense with the Chiefs, especially on the defensive line. Uh, so that was disappointing because I thought the, uh, the Bengals really had figured something out against Buffalo, and maybe it was the weather that forced them into that, and maybe it was the lack of weather that, that took them out of that. So that was the disappointment for me on their side of the ball, certainly the sacks and, and things like that, but I, I kind of equate all that together. Burrow was taking sacks today because he was trying to do more, because he was trying to go through more progressions, because I think they were looking for longer, deeper out routes and, and, and go routes versus lulling them in at the box and trying to get seven, eight, nine players in that box so they could take their, top, their, their shots and pick their poisons. That disappointed me. Uh, and by the way, you saw the Chiefs do quite a bit of that with McKinnon, uh, with, with Pacheco out of the gate there. They, they sort of reversed the course on them and played the game that I thought the Bengals should have played, especially for, through the first two quarters. Certainly the Bengals you know, were able to fire back and, and find their way. They're a good team, and Joe Burrow's a great quarterback. So this is not a – I don't think this is a separa- separation of powers. I think these are two teams that are going to be right back in this conversation next year. But I was disappointed that Cincinnati gave up on, their, on themselves a little bit and tried to, pl- to be somebody that, that maybe they couldn't be especially this time of year with the offensive line they had. All right, let's talk about the Bengals offseason stuff. It's not a gigantic list of free agents. So to start there, they're going to look and smell a lot like they did right now. Now, there's a massive secondary problem, right? That is the – I've done a couple of offseason pieces. Now I've done an AFC offseason piece, and I've, I've done some work just on the Bengals specifically. I'm going to do more, and, that, and that's my homework for today is to sit down in a Google Doc and actually – I analyze the Bengals from every position. But I can tell you right now, from the work that I have done uh, with this AFC North divisional stuff, Jesse Bates, Von Bell, Eli Apple, Trey Flowers, all set to hit the open market. And, you know, there's a world where none of them come back here. 
I don't know that the Jesse Bates stuff is great. He didn't have his best season ever. The franchise tag stuff was ugly. I don't know that you know he wants to sit here and try to hammer out a multi-year extension at the price point that they're looking for because, to be perfectly honest, all, obviously the secondary is important, <laughs> quite obviously. But Joe Burrow needs money. T. Higgins needs money. You know, It's possible Higgins doesn't get his cash this year, as we've mentioned before. They've also got Hayden Hurst, the tight end, set to hit the open market. He had a much better than advertised season. He was an important piece of this puzzle. Uh, P. Ryan is set to hit the open market. He was a very capable RB2. Can you bring him back on a price that works for you? Those are your, your big boys. That's the list. It's not the biggest list. Uh, there's, there's some linebackers, right? Uh, Jermaine Pratt hits, is about to hit the open market. There's some depth pieces on the offensive line, but obviously you can understand they're going to make some wholesale changes there again and try to continue to tinker at that point. It's a, it's a, it, there's enough starters here to make it an impactful list. I just don't think it's the biggest list we've talked about yet in this show. So can they get those things done? I think for the most part, they'll bring those, those kind of players back. You know, Eli Apple, I think, did enough, enough although the attention he took off the field might be a, a factor in, in replacing him at some point. I think he played well, though. The, the Joe Burrow stuff is obviously going to drive the conversation this offseason, and there's no reason to wait. Uh, I don't believe the Bengals go the route of the Patrick Mahomes-style contract. That is, you're a lifer here. We're going to make you a lifer here. And if you'll sign this super long contract that essentially gives us some value, we want to get that done. Here's the, here's the conversation we can have, though. Because I, if you've heard me talk about it, you've heard it already before. He's worth $44 million on our system. That's sort of the going rate right now for these rookie extensions, 44. That's where Herbert lives. That's kind of where Lamar lives. It's just where we are. Jalen Hurts, 44 and change. It's just what the math says right now because of production versus whatever. And I treat Joe Burrow and Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers differently. I have to separate those two those two pieces. Not everybody's going to, and Joe Burrow's agent isn't going to. He's going to look at what Aaron Rodgers just got, financially speaking, plus his age, plus the production, or lack thereof, you know, this past season, and he's going to wrap that up, and he's going to say, look, this is what Joe Burrow is at age 26. You know, what more can he give you right now? He's the whole package. So I get it. And it's why, logically speaking, Joe Burrow's a $50 million quarterback. And the 190 that Kyler Murray secured in total guarantees, and it is 190. It says it in his contract, and I can I can prove it to you with bonuses. <laughs> it's 190. So all the Lamar people out there saying he only needs to get 160. No, he 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 should be looking for 190. I know he wants 230, but I, I don't. 230 might be that other the other side of the unicorn pile, right? The Deshaun Watson fully guaranteed contract. It's probably one nobody really wants to touch right now, except for every player and agent out in the world. Will Joe Burrow, regardless of the AEV, regardless of all that, will Joe Burrow sign this baseball-type contract? Will he give the Bengals an arbitration buyout process like Mahomes did? Right? Will he give them two to three more years, maybe two, let's say two, where he is cash and cap cheap? In order to say, you're you're handing me this guarantee, right? You're gonna give me guarantees that run into 2026. 
or 2028 even, right? Maybe we can build in a couple of those two-year early vesting guarantees that Mahomes has through 2028. And in return for that, right, in return, the fact that you're giving me five years out, basically fully guaranteed, I'm going to drop everything off the floor to start the ne- for the next couple of seasons because I want Higgins here. I want Chase here. I want Hayden Hurst back. I want one or two of these, these secondary pieces back in the, in the fold. Let me say this out loud. This is in no way me saying Joe Burrow should take a hometown discount. I don't think the NFL deserves it. I don't think NFL owners deserve hometown discounts. I don't think the league itself should be allowing hometown discounts. And I know the Players Association doesn't want them at any point in time, especially from quarterbacks, especially from young, elite quarterbacks. Everybody wants to to go down the Tom Brady world and say, well, look what this guy did. This guy was great. This guy has 10 rings because he did that. And I know we just did an entire episode on cap percentages of Super Bowl quarterbacks. And there's this unbreakable trend that Mahomes approached, right? He's 17% of the cap. So he was one of the higher ones, maybe the second highest ever to reach the Super Bowl on this cap hit. But it just isn't reality. (laughs) It's not, especially when you're, when you have maximum restructure ability every year, every year. If you're a team that can win, you can sign a player for $50 million a year. And just like the intro discussion I had with Mahomes, if you know what the hell you're doing, everybody can win. You can structure a contract that pays well, pays in waves. So maybe there's an on-year and an off-year, like I mentioned with Mahomes. Has certain years that are dotted line of demarcation years, like 2027 for Mahomes. And we just have strong communication during these negotiations that this is what this means. This is why we're doing roster bonuses. We don't want to go the option bonus route, even though we've done that in, in the past with our big contracts. But we understand that changing to this this more parallel straight line process gives us the chance to decide yes or no every year versus baking in option exercisers that are going to pile on the dead cap, that are, that are going to impact the way that we, we are able to structure the rest of our contracts. Can Joe Burrow follow Mahomes in a, in a miniature conversation here? So I don't believe Burrow should sign a 12-year contract. I don't. I don't believe the Bengals will offer that. I don't believe the Bengals should take that risk on Joe Burrow. But I do want them to follow this model of let's, let's carefully buy out the next couple of years. That should be value to us. We have this guy on a rookie contract. He's got a fourth year. He's got a fifth-year option, and then there's a franchise tag. That's what the next three years could look like for Joe Burrow. But by extending him early, by extending him immediately, which is a, it's not a guarantee. That, that is a gesture that teams are, are starting to make, and certainly with quarterbacks, you want to do it. Because you want, it's a good faith gesture. It's an optics thing for the organization. It's a trust thing. And by the way, the quarterbacks deserve it. Let's not leave that point out. They deserve it. Rookie quarterbacks that can get to an elite level in two or three seasons, not even, deserve to get the money as quickly as possible. It's just how this league is ticking right now. But it's not talked about enough that Patrick Mahomes took $64 million over the first three seasons on a $45 million per year contract, which is what everybody talked about. 
He got $45 million a year. He got four fifty over 10. That's fine. But he took 64 over three. Okay? And I, and I, I know many of you know I'm a baseball guy. I'm not incorrect. It, it is not an incorrect comparison to say that this is what baseball contracts look like. When we talk about arbitration extensions, okay, we're seeing a million of them. The Braves just did half their freaking lineup as arbitration extensions. Go look at what it looks like. Go look at what it looks like. Because year one, it ain't 40 million, right? Year one's seven. Year two's 12. Year, year three's 20. Then they start to go up to 30 or 31 a year. Look at what Manny Machado did. Look at what any of these, these early conversation extensions did. It's not an accident. It's not Manny Machado or these other guys saying, all right, well, you know, I'm a younger player, so I'll take less to start. No, no, no. That is actually what the CBA slotted him to get originally. So some players say, screw it. I want my $30 million right now. And some agents force that down teams' throats. Many quarterback contracts look that way. Many quarterback contracts, even in year four of the rookie deal, offer $60 million signing bonuses that give the player $60 million cash right up front. You know, the traditional ones of Carson Wentz and Jared Goff and all of that's what that did. Big bonus first year, big bonus second year. Guys, guy made a ton of cash before his rookie contract was even slated to finish, year four, year five. Holmes didn't do that. And there's a magic to that. There's a magic to that. Now, look, I mentioned State Farm. And there's, a, you know, there's all these other these advertising opportunities that he's afforded himself because he's elite and personable and has a good staff around him. Let's be perfectly frank about that. That's a situation that he can always bank on. So, you know, I'm not saying $64 million over three years makes him poor. <laughs> let's, let's, not get, let's get that out of the way. But by following this approach, he has absolutely helped. He has helped this situation. His cap hit, cap hit in year one was 5.3. His cap hit in year two was 7.4. And that was restructured. So you had a roster bonus that got converted in year two. His cap hit this year was 35.7. Okay? So obviously the pain is starting to come. But it wasn't just the cap that they kept low. It was cash. It was cash. In other words, I'm not just helping out the front office here with the GM work and the restructuring and the roster shuffling. I'm helping out the owner here too. All right? And by the way, that $64 million I talked about, 63 of it, from a contractual standpoint, was guaranteed at signing, which also helps the owner out because it's the guaranteed at signing money that has to go into an escrow immediately. So when you're talking about teams that have quarterbacks with 105, 120 guaranteed at signing, Deshaun Watson, $230 million guaranteed at signing, that money gets taken out of the owner's hands immediately the second the contract is signed and put into an escrow account. Something I think that should change because the league is freaking loaded, but it's a fact. So this Mahomes contract helped everybody out. And why am I saying that now? The Bengals' ownership isn't, you know, they're not sitting on 17 oil factories here. They're loaded, and they have done great contracts in the past for players like Dalton, and I guess you can call the Palmer one a great contract, even though it came with tons of drama. But they're going to need that in the city they're in, in the situation they're in, with not just Burrow to get done, but T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, et cetera. 
they're going to need that handout and a little bit of help. And Joe Burrow seems the type to, to play that kind of ball. Uh, he seems the type that wants to go to the top of this mountain, 50 million a year, 200 guaranteed. But if he can find a way to make a look and smell like this, I think there's some magic to that. And I think there's some reality to that. When Mahomes did this deal, Tyreek Hill was still in the middle of that first contract, which had a ton of, you know, injury and off-field conditions built into it, so it wasn't exactly the top of the market deal yet. Kelsey was on his deal. Chris, Chris Jones was on his deal. Tyron Matthew had a big deal at that point in time. They were able to bring, to keep the core players on good, strong, solid deals because of this. Because of this. Cap and cash. So I, my, my hope for Burrow, which I think should lead the way here, is that all the numbers are hit. That over the next eight years, let's say it's eight. Let's say it's a six-year extension with two years left on his rookie deal. Let's say it's an eight-year contract. That the majority of that has an early guarantee. Maybe the whole damn thing. Maybe every single year his next year's salary compensation gets, gets fully guaranteed for the entirety of the contract. So essentially it is a fully guaranteed contract. But he's got to get to certain, certain points the previous March or April to get there. And maybe there's some conditions on the last two seasons that the Bengals could get out of that if they needed to. So it's not technically fully guaranteed, but it's practically guaranteed. My hope is Burrow gets all of that and that it looks like 50 million so that the agent can go and, and tag that headline, but that it's also a little bit of a baseball contract that gives the Bengals the opportunity to stay as much intact as possible because the sport's just good right now in this regard. All right, having Burrow and Mahomes here late in, in January, it's good for the sport. And I think we all want more of that. So all the, all the notes need to get hit, including the structural stuff that Mahomes has, obviously not to that degree though. What about Higgins, real quick? Uh, I don't think Higgins gets done. I think he's a hell of a player. I think he is long for this roster. Um, he's gonna be entering a contract year. He was a second-round pick, number 33 overall back in 2020. He's going to get a bump in pay for the proven performance escalator. So he's going to make around the $3 million mark, which is the low tender this year. I, I do think uh, that little bump might be enough for them to say, look, we're going to get this done, but we got to start to stagger these things a little bit better than that. The problem is you can't wait on Jamar Chase in 2024. So when Jamar Chase comes up, as long as he's healthy, and there's always a chance that he's not, once 2023 finishes, this time next year, you know, Jamar Chase is going to need whatever the hell Justin Jefferson just got around that moniker. So it's, a, it's deep waters to tread in here. It is. And you don't want to play with too many of your weapons right now because, by the way, the mixing contract is getting there too. He's got a couple years left. You know, he's got basically 2023, none of it guaranteed. He's going to make about $10 million. And then there's essentially a club option for 2024 with a little bit more cash, um, you know, a decent cap hit of around $13 million. My guess is, and Mixon's 26 going on 27 now, so there's a world where this isn't the case, but he seems to be an active enough participant in this offense that you could consider – starting over on his contract this year as well. Ripping it up, starting over. D 
dealing with uh, a signing bonus that, that makes life easier on you in that regard, clears some cap right now, allows you to sneak in whatever you need to sneak in. So are you keeping Mixon? Do you restructure him? Can you restructure a player like Reeder and Hendrickson to help your cap there? And again, I'll do a deep dive on this on spotchart.com ASAP. And if that's the case, if I can open up enough cap space, and I believe I can, can you extend T. Higgins to a front-loaded 49er-style deal that gets a lot of the garbage out of the way right now in 2023 when Jamar Chase is still cheap, and then can you factor everything in? Burrow and Higgins now, Chase next year, and have budgetary plans to make sure all three of those things can work in sync for three to four more seasons so that your window of contention can remain as active as possible, especially in the offensive side of the ball. So quickly with the Bengals. There's a mess in the secondary, four holes being opened up here that have to get addressed. Maybe half of them come back, maybe half don't. So you're shopping right there or at least drafting right there. And then it's extension season. And not only will it get done, but how does it get done? And are they going to choose to stagger Higgins? Or are they going to lock him in with Burrow? How are they going to structure Higgins so that it can make it work with Chase? And how, more importantly, how are they going to structure Burrow to make the whole franchise tick within this window of contention three to four more seasons? Those are the question marks. It's uh, a fascinating watch on a franchise that hasn't been like this in a long time. So good on them for, for figuring this out. Good on the coaching staff for, for rounding this thing into form. And uh, pressure on the ownership now to do the right thing with these contracts. It's a, it's a tall order, but they're going to have to figure it out. No question about it. I'm not going to spend too much time on the 49ers because we did a deep, deep dive into that quarterback situation, which is now as intensified as, as it could be because this pretty injury, which kind of looks serious if he's got tingling and numbness. Um, hopefully it's something that, you know, it's similar to the Josh Allen one where it just needs rest. Uh, it's a baseball injury, really, UCL. It's what it looks like to me. I'm not going to speculate, but... Hopefully it just needs rest and uh, he can dive himself into the playbook and work with Shanahan in the offseason in, in, I would assume, in concession with Trey Lance. And as I wrote in a piece for spotrate.com yesterday, highlighting the quarterbacks in the Final Four, I, you know, I, I guess a team like Tennessee could come in and swoop Trey Lance away from them with an, with an overblown draft pick haul. But I wouldn't assume that to be the case. I think they're going to let Garoppolo walk in San Francisco go find himself another QB1 spot somewhere. And my guess would be you would just roll with Purdy and Lance and spend your offseason trying to heal Lance back, you know, bring, bring Lance back to full health, bring him back up to speed, at least start to take a look at him again and, and consider the options. But you know in the back of your pocket that Brock Purdy can go out there and give you qualified games. Now, he hasn't had a, a, a game on the road that's worth a damn, he hasn't really been down in a situation that he's had to crawl back from yet in the NFL. That's pretty important. <laughs> um, so he's had kind of an ideal plug-and-play role. So it's it's certainly not a slam dunk. I, I still I still think he's probably a career backup with a real good head on him and a good enough skill set to be able to to fill in and substitute as needed. But but I'm I'm not an idiot to the point of where I'm not going to say there's a logical chance, maybe even the betting favorite chance that he's the week one starter, especially if Trey Lance just isn't ready yet. They have the ability with that Lance contract, and I understand what they gave up from a draft perspective to bring this guy in the door. But they have the ability with two years, nine million fully guaranteed 
across 2023 and 2024 to slow play this thing. And if they want to punt on him for 2023 and say, we're not even going to give you the opportunity to give to, to take this shot until 2024. We want you to absolutely digest this offense, you know, from a cerebral standpoint while getting your body 100% ready to go. Now, maybe that doesn't take the entire year. Maybe that's four to six weeks, and we treat him kind of like he's a brand-new rookie all over again. But I think there's a world where Brock Purdy is given the keys to this thing indefinitely until Trey Lance is absolutely 100% healthy enough to get a fair shake at going out and proving that his skill set really is a, an upgrade in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Because without that, what are we even doing here? It's, it's somewhat similar to Jordan Love. You know, and Jordan Love has had cups of coffee. But I think, I think there's a world where Jordan Love is going to be the 17-week starter for the Green Bay Packers this year. And we're just going to have to live with it. And if he's bad, we're going to say he didn't have enough reps in the first three seasons of his, of his career to get up to speed. And if he's good, we're going to say the freaking Packers did it again. Sitting a guy for three years, then dropping him in year four and letting him go for the next 20. It's fascinating in that regard. But I, I, I guess we can just say that's what the Lance situation can be. It can be because Purdy's adequate and capable. So, I mean, you're talking about a situation where Trey Lance and Brock Purdy next year account for $10 million a cap on what could be a $225 million league salary cap. So there's absolutely no, no, no financial issues with this. None. Now, you better get a third quarterback because <laughs> uh, what we saw yesterday was just awful. I mean, I don't want, I ever want to see a team in that position of the season basically thinking about throwing a fullback out there to play quarterback. But I think with, within reason to start the season, there's going to be a Trey Lance-Brock Purdy conversation. And I would give the, the advantage to Brock Purdy right now. Not really because of what he did for eight weeks here, because I think he was asked to do very little. And, but what he did, he did well. He's definitely got an idea of what's happening around here. There's no question about it. I'm not knocking him. I'm simply saying he was put in a perfect spot, and he will get a chance to complete that role, I think, next year to start the season. But I, I don't believe for a second that they've given up on Trey Lance. That's all. Nick Bosa uh, also played injured yesterday. That was pretty obvious. He got banged up a couple of times, was barely able to move, put pressure on that foot. He enters year five. He's got an $18 million fifth-year option fully guaranteed for 2023. Uh, this one's pretty easy. Um, he's a Bosa. He's done plenty. He continues to do plenty in big spots. And uh, you know where the top of the market is with this defensive stuff. So Aaron Donald is, uh, is living at the top. Should we consider his deal a unicorn? I, I, to some degree, yes. To some degree, the, the guarantee structure, the, the short, impactful, high-cap hit situ situation that the Rams got themselves into should not be you know, probably copied too much from a franchise to franchise, even though I absolutely love that kind of approach with certain players. Uh, but T.J. Watt's $28 million a year is obviously the number right now. That's the average seller that, that defensive players are shooting for, even though Donald at 31-6 is the true top of the mountain. And then Brother Joey, $102 million practical guaranteed, $78 million guaranteed at signing, $80 million guaranteed at signing for T.J. Watt uh, because that's a roster that uh, – that's a Pittsburgh franchise that really doesn't do down-the-road guarantees. They do big signing bonuses, and they broke protocol to do a couple of base salary guarantees for T.J. Watt. But that's the number. It's basically 80 at signing, 102 total, 28 million a year, 30, 30 million a year. 
that's what Chris Jones and and Nick Bosa are looking at. I mean, those are the numbers. And for Jones, it might be a little bit less term because of his age. But for uh, for Nick Bosa, look, there's some injury concern. He's had two or three now pretty notable injuries that he's missed time with. But I wouldn't call him a an injury problem by any means. It's just the nature of the position. We've seen every big star, even Aaron Donald this year, miss significant time with some sort of injury. So Bosa's getting done. I'd be uh, absolutely shocked if that doesn't happen this offseason. And outside of that, the 49ers are in pretty darn good shape. They've done a lot of work over the years here. Uh, the McCaffrey contract is probably worth talking about a little bit here. The He brought over three years remaining. I believe it was $64 million, 30, Excuse me, $36 million. So three 12s come going forward here. None of it guaranteed. None of it with any early guarantee at all. So there's an $11.8 million base salary next year that they can convert if they want to do just a straight-up restructure and see what they have. That's probably where things go. I don't think anybody really touches a contract with three years left on it, especially McCaffrey, who like, probably likes the 12, year, 12 million per year right now. Um, my guess is it's just a base salary conversion. They, t- they add some dead cap down the road, and the 49ers get a, you know, essentially a $4 million cap hit on Christian McCaffrey for 2023 to see what they want to do with it. That's really how this is going to work. So it's a, a fascinating situation. Obviously, he's the new crux of this offense, and you add in Debo Samuel, and you give Kyle Shanahan an, an entire offseason to create and generate some more offensive schemes with the Kittle, the, the Samuel, the McCaffrey, and whatever quarterback – maybe even Lance and his versatility. And this is going to be a, a fun, fun watch for a couple more years here. So, again, off-season pieces coming for both San Francisco and Cincinnati on the website. I'm going in-depth, position by position. I'll tell you the free agents, some restructure options, some extension options, some cut candidates where, where I see fit, and, uh, and all the, the, the big breakdowns here because – as these teams fall off here, they go quickly into off-season mode. You're going to see reserve future contracts signed probably tonight for these two teams, and that'll impact their top 51 cap. So if you're looking now and you see that the 49ers on spot track live with about $14 million, that's all going away once the reserve contracts are signed. So it's uh, fool's gold right now. Cincinnati's dealing with $44 million or so. That'll drop into the 30s, maybe even the high 20s once those reserves are signed. But, you know, significant secondary pieces, a couple of linebackers hitting the open market here, and Burrow's still cheap. So uh, buyer beware. There's a lot of movement happening here with these, off, with these franchises. But concluding thought here quickly, both of these franchises are in excellent shape. Excellent. As long as Purdy can be Purdy or Trey Lance can be a semblance of what they think Trey Lance is, and then that quarterback position can continue to be consistent in San Francisco. So... Not the weekend I think we were hoping for from a championship weekend perspective. Uh, I don't mean to not talk Eagles here. I have a feeling we're going to talk quite a bit about the Eagles coming here forward. And, uh, and there may be another gigantic contract structure to talk about with Jalen Hurts. And I'm separating that conversation because it simply doesn't belong here. The, the way e- the Eagles do business is not the way the Kansas City Chiefs do business. It's not the way I believe the Cincinnati Bengals will do their business. So I want to make sure that the Hertz conversation and the Eagles defensive free agency situation is its own separate conversation that we have probably next week. Um, maybe not before the Super Bowl. Maybe I'll wait until they actually hit the offseason. 
and we'll talk about where some of those players are coming and all the void years they're about to vest and things like that. So Eagles are their own animal. So I'm not excluding them um, just to kind of keep them out of this conversation. I'm excluding them because they deserve isolation, and we'll get to them as soon as possible. Check out spotrate.com. There's plenty being written about in the NFL and NBA worlds. Keith Smith has done a ton more work on the trade deadline. He'll be posting his Western Conference buyers and sellers list, which is really in-depth. It's not just names of players. It's cap and tax stuff, right? right? Who, who needs to make a trade to get under that tax threshold, stuff like that. Um, any trade exceptions teams have, they, they can utilize the trade deadline. And then some future stuff as well, getting ready for what may be the, de- the home stretch here for a loaded Western Conference. Everybody's stacked up there. Golden State can go from 12 to 4 in like an hour and a half here. So uh, Keith will be back on the show this week to break down an extension and some of those trade rumors. And uh, I'll continue to crank out the NFL stuff. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trek Podcast. Mm-hmm.